You guys ready for this? You are, aren't you? Well, good morning, church. It's good to have you here this morning. You know, one of the questions that uh, I have gotten over the years as a pastor, as a preacher, as a person who uh, enjoys studying uh, some of the intricacies of, of Scripture, comes in in regards to the resurrected body. Like, what in the world is the body going to be like after we die and then rise to life again? All sorts of questions I've gotten in in this regard, like, what exactly is it going to be like? Like, what type of body do I get? I mean, do I get to be, like, 6'3", tall, dark, and handsome? Like, like, what is it? I mean, do, do I get the body that I always thought I wanted? Other questions tend toward things like, well, who gets to be? And who gets to have a resurrected body? Like, some people will say, like, do people who were cremated, did they get a resurrected body? Like, like people that have been buried at sea, or, or people who have had a debilitating disease and, and their body has become disfigured, do they get a resurrected body? Does it become better for them? Or, or just for those of us who die and are buried in caskets in regular graveyards like we have in America? I mean, is, is that how it works? And like when I come back with this whole body, this new resurrection thing, like do I come back as a human? Do I come back as a tiger or an elephant or a giraffe, a monkey? I mean, all of these questions I, I have fielded, and and the good news this morning is that God word has an answer for that. Uh, that as we look at God's Word, we, we're going to see uh, things about the bodily resurrection, our bodily resurrection, uh, some things that are true and some things that are not true. Uh, we're going to see uh, some things that will happen and some things that will not happen in regards to this bodily resurrection, our bodily resurrection. Now, now, some of you might be sitting there and, and you're saying, uh, preacher, that's really nice. I'm so glad um, that you're talking about this, but I'm not sure I quite buy the resurrection just yet. And, and perhaps, perhaps those of you who are, are maybe just joining us, you just need to, to catch up a little bit. Uh, um, maybe I can prove to you or, or at least get you thinking about the real uh, the reality of the resurrection uh, as I walk you through uh, 1 Corinthians 15, just really quickly. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, uh, 1 through 11. Perhaps um, you're, you're wondering, hey, was there really a resurrection of Jesus? Well, if you take God's word uh, as inspired and true, uh, then 1 through 11 uh, in chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians says, yes, absolutely, there was a resurrection. Uh, Jesus was dead, absolutely, uh, beyond a question, beyond a shadow of a doubt, and he raised from the dead. And there were people that saw him, and there were people that touched him, and he was real, and it was absolutely real. 
And then in 12 uh, through 19, uh, what we see is that, that, that Jesus, uh, if he did not resurrect from the grave, then, then all of you and I are in trouble. Uh, that there is no good news without the resurrection. We've been talking about this unquenchable hope, this unquenchable hope that we have for the future, uh, that there is something else out there for us, uh, that this life isn't all there is, uh, that there's something that comes later, and it's tied to the resurrection. Like our hope is tied in the resurrection. And, and Paul says, hey, hey, if, if there is no resurrection, then there is no good news. You might as well give up now. Uh, you might as well just hashtag YOLO, right? Uh, you only live once. Let's just go and live it for, for all that there is. Let's do that uh, if there is no resurrection. But if there is a resurrection, then you need to start living for Jesus. Uh, because he's where our hope is tied, this unquenchable hope that we have. And then uh, last week, if you were here, uh, we just looked at, at 20 through 28, those verses. And we said, hey, because of the resurrection of Jesus, we have a guarantee of our resurrection, right? And that Jesus is going to vindicate all things. Like all of evil is going to disappear because of the resurrection, and so this morning we come to our bodily resurrection and we're asking these questions and we're looking to Scripture to say, what do you have to say? And what we're going to find, what we're going to find is, is God's Word answering us and saying, hey, your body right now is not good enough to get to heaven. It's just simply not good enough. Uh, we're also going to see uh, that this new bodily resurrection that we get to experience as Christ followers when He comes a final time, that there are some things that will stay the same about our body and there are some things that are going to be different. Actually, it's going to be entirely the same and entirely different. How do you like that? Uh, there's going to be some things that are very similar that aren't going to change. And then there's going to be some th major changes. There's going to be an extreme body makeover, okay? So join me, join me in 1 Corinthians 15. Reach for a Bible if you don't have one. Page 801 is where we're at. And I'm going to read in verse 35, talking about the bodily resurrection of those who follow Jesus. Verse 35. But someone may ask, well, how are the dead raised? And with what kind of body will they come? How foolish! What you sow doesn't come to life unless it dies. When you sow, you don't plant the body that will be, but just a seed, perhaps of wheat or of something else. But God gives it a body as He has determined, and to each kind of seed He gives its own body. All flesh isn't the same. Men have one kind of body, one kind of flesh, animals have another, birds have another, fish have another. And there are heavenly bodies and there are earthly bodies, but the splendor of the heavenly bodies is of one kind, and the splendor of the earthly bodies is another. And the sun has one kind of splendor, and the moon another, and the stars another, and, and stars differ from star in their splendor. And so will it be at the resurrection of the dead." The body that is sown perishable, it is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, but is raised in glory. It's sown in weakness, but is raised in power. It's sown a natural body and is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first 
man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, a living, life-giving spirit. The spiritual did not come first, but the natural, and after that, the spiritual. The first man was of the dust of the earth, and the second man from heaven. As was the earthly man, so are those who are of the earth. And as is the man from heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. And just as we were born the likeness of the earthly man, so shall we bear the likeness of the man from heaven. Now, before we get started, one of the baselines we have to realize, right, is our bodies right now are not good enough to get to heaven. Paul is saying this really throughout this entire passage that I've just read for you. Our bodies right now are not good enough. And so there's going to be a resurrection. There's going to be a day when Jesus comes back a final time and he's going to do something to change us. And here's what you need to know. We get real physical bodies. And hear me say that. We get real physical bodies. Uh, there's some people that I meet along the way uh, that sit in pews and, and, and uh, they come to verse 44 and following and they talk about the spiritual and the natural and they say, well, aren't we gonna, just going to be like some kind of dismembered spirit or uh, uh, disembodied spirit kind of floating around that we don't have any uh, physical body? And the answer is absolutely not. Uh, people, you need to hear this. We will have... Real, physical bodies. Remember, Jesus is the first fruits of the resurrection. Whatever happened to him is going to happen to us. So when Paul says, hey, hey, guess what? Um, uh, you are going to be made like the man from heaven. He is not saying uh, that suddenly you become a spirit person uh, without a body. When Jesus resurrected, now listen, when Jesus resurrected, he had a body. When he appeared to the 500, he had a body, right? When he ascended into heaven, he had a body. He is sitting right now on the right hand of God up in heaven, and he has a body. The glorious part about what Jesus was willing to do in coming from heaven to earth is that when he died, when he came, right, and became a man, he became a man forever. That's the greatest part about what Jesus did for us. When we get to heaven, Jesus is going to be physical. We're going to be able to do what Thomas did, and, and he's going to say, hey, put your hand here in my side. Right? We're going to have real, physical bodies. There was an old camp song. It's kind of corny, but I like it. It was, oh, you can't get to heaven. Yeah, some of you know it. Oh, you can't get to heaven. And then you would come up with all sorts of verses. Oh, you can't get to heaven, you know, in a Ford truck or, uh, sorry of you Ford fans. Oh, you can't get to heaven in a Kleenex box because God don't like no little snots. Paul is saying very clearly, oh, you can't get to heaven with the body that you have right now. And when you are remade, you're going to have a physical body. Now, who, who's going to make this change for us? Well, it's not you and me. We can't change our own body so that we get to heaven. We need a new one 
in order to endure the presence of God forever. The, the fact of the matter is, these bodies, you know, pinch yourself. It hurts. Right? These bodies decay. These bodies are broken. Uh, you can, the older you get, the more you feel that, right? Uh, we cannot remake ourselves. We can't transform ourselves to create a body that's ready for heaven. I mean, I, I could do a thousand push-ups every single day. I could get like bigger. Right? I mean, like, we could lose all the weight that we thought we needed. We, we could, like, get the most perfect wrinkle cream ever and take all the wrinkles out. We could train every day and be like th these wonderful physical specimens, and it's still not good enough. So we need someone outside of ourselves who can change us and change our bodies that makes us ready for heaven. And guess what? That's not us. Look at verse 38. Look at verse 38. He's giving these analogies. He's giving these analogies about the new resurrected body. And he says, but God gives it a body as He determines. And to each kind of seed, He gives its own body. Only God can transform your body to make it ready for heaven. Only God can do that. You can't do it. Only God has the kind of power that's necessary to transform your body to make it ready for heaven. That's just the, the predicament that we're in. Only God can do that for you. Now, there's an old hillbilly proverb. It goes something like this. There ain't no hill for a climber. It means like this. If you can climb Mount Everest, then the lost hills are nothing. I mean, if you can build, let's say, a skyscraper or a house, then a little landscaping in the front yard is nothing. Right? I mean, if you, can, if you can do something large, if you can run a marathon, then a 5K, no problem. In God's Word, He, he uses these three analogies to to talk about God as the sovereign creator over all, to say, hey, if God can do all this, then what is it for Him to create, to transform a lowly body into a resurrected body that's ready for heaven? Notice what he says. It really does begin in verse 37, 38. He gives three analogies. One is about the seed. He says, when you sow, you don't plant the body that will be, but just a seed. He moves on in verse 39. He says, all flesh is not the same. And he begins to talk about animals. And he begins to talk about fish and birds. And then he talks about the heavenly bodies. Now, this confused me for a long time. And perhaps it confused you. 
When I came, at least in this translation, when I got to verse 40, and I, and I read there are also heavenly bodies, I was thinking like, you know, some kind of a sp- super special heavenly body. But he's not talking about this body yet. He's talking about the stars. He clarifies that later on in this context. In verse 41, he says, The sun has a splendor, and the moon has a splendor, and the stars another splendor. So when he talks about the heavenly bodies here, he's just adding to a pile of analogies to say, Hey, look, you remember back in Genesis 1? And God created the plants and the seeds, and he and he created the fish and the birds and, the, and, and all of the animals. You remember that. And then uh, you remember that, that God put the stars and the moon and all the galaxy in place. You remember that? And so what he's saying here is, well, in the old hillbilly proverb, if, if you're a... Oh, how does it go? If you... Uh, I hate it when that ha- this happens. Uh, there, there ain't no hill for a climber. In other words, if God is the creator of the universe, you see, if He is superior to all things, if He can create something out of nothing way back in Genesis, then what is it for Him to recreate a body that's ready for heaven? Nothing. God created all those things. He made all those things happen. So for some of you who may wonder about those that you have lost who have been cremated, and you have in the back of your mind, well, I I sure hope that they could be resurrected. I hope that they could have a resurrected body. I I hope that that person who, who was lost long ago or who suffered that debilitating disease and was deformed, I hope they they can have a resurrected body. Please know. We are talking about the God of the universe who created all things out of nothing. He was the one who created the sea uh, and the plants and all the stars. And He is the one who can transform lowly bodies to be like heavenly bodies. Spiritual bodies like Jesus's so that we're ready for heaven. Because our body isn't good enough to get there. If He can create something out of nothing, it's nothing for Jesus. It's nothing for God, the Creator, to look at a bunch of ashes and recreate a body. Because He can create something out of nothing. So what in the world is this resurrected body going to be like? That's what you really want, isn't it? That's what you're sitting on the edge of your seats wanting to know about? Now, I, I have some... Well, I have some news for you. Some of it's going to stay the same. Some of it's going to stay the same. Now, some of it's going to get different. Now, there's some things that are going to stay the same. On the one hand, we have sameness. Now, how many of you, how many of you have ever planted a seed? Has anybody ever planted a seed? I know we got some farmers that are smiling or wish they were planting seeds. (laughs) You see, here's the deal. When you plant a seed, let's say you, you plant a corn seed. Not that that happens in this area, but let's just say. 
Let's say you plant a corn seed. What do you expect in return? You expect a corn plant. Now the beauty of what Paul is saying here in regards to this analogy about seeds is, hey, when you plant something, you get that thing back. You plant that seed, don't you? And you get it in return. You don't plant a corn seed and get a pumpkin. You don't plant a wildflower seed and somehow get a watermelon. No, you, you keep it same. You plant a corn seed, you get a corn stock. You plant a bean seed, you get beans. You plant a watermelon seed, you get watermelon. Are you, are you hanging with me here? Now, let me ask you this. If I had an acorn, and I said, what, what if our life is really like this acorn and I said, is this, is this acorn an oak tree? He would say, well, sort of. But what if I said, if I plant this acorn in the ground, what will happen? And you'll begin to say, well, it'll probably break apart and there'll be a husk left over. And hopefully, eventually, there'll be this towering oak tree. Right? What God's Word is telling us is that when we die and we're planted in the ground, sometimes quite literally, that we will die. There will be a husk there, but something will grow out of that. This resurrected body will look something like the acorn. Do you recognize an oak tree when you see one? Could you even maybe say, yes, I recognize the essence of the oak tree is in the acorn. Are you tracking with me? Like the corn stalk, the essence of the corn stalk is in the corn seed. The essence of a pumpkin is in the pumpkin seed. When he gives these analogies about seeds, he's simply saying this. Your essence, your identity, who you are is going to be known in the resurrection with your body. Now, it's going to be entirely different, but who you are is going to be recognized. It's not as if you're going to be planted one thing and voila, something else is going to happen. The Hindus would believe that when you die, it depends on how good you have been in this world and uh, maybe your caste system, and you could be planted a human being, uh, die in the ground, be buried, and then come back as like a tiger or maybe a roach. But God's Word says no. This resurrection of the body, when you die, you, you will be different, but you will be the same. I will recognize you because you are still you. You still have an essence about who you are, your identity, your gifts. Maybe your sense of humor, which I'm kind of sad about. But there will be sameness and there will be completely not sameness. 
I mean, I've told you several times throughout this message, hey, we don't get to heaven with the bodies that we have now. God's got to change it. But there's going to be some similarities in who we are now and how the resurrection ends. Look with me at verse 42. In verse 42, so it will be at the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown perishable, it is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. There has to be a fundamental change in, in not who we are, uh, but perhaps how, how we're represented. God is going to change us. Not to something else. We're still going to have our identity. Uh, but He will take something that's perishable now and clothe it with something imperishable. Uh, think about it like this. How many of you have ever had bananas that have been on the counter just a little too long? Anybody? They kind of start to get that, uh, you know, black peel on the banana. Been there a little too long. Right? They begin to decay. They're perishable. You want to know what's imperishable? A Twinkie. A Twinkie is imperishable. Like, like, it has so many preservatives in a Twinkie that Jesus himself is going to come back and we're going to have Twinkies in heaven, all right? In essence, what God's Word is saying is, I'm going to clothe what is a greasy banana on your counter and I'm going to clothe it with a Twinkie. Now some of you got really excited. You see, God gives us an extreme body makeover. He makes over our body in, in, in its entirety. He keeps the essence of who we are and makes our bodies ready for heaven. So we are the same, but we're entirely different. Because if you notice the very end of this passage in verse 48, as was the earthly man, so are those who are of the earth. And as is the man from heaven, so are those who are of heaven. And just as we have borne the likeness of the earthly man, we will bear the likeness of the man from heaven. Hey, guess what? Our new resurrected bodies are better, they're glorious. Their splendor is something that is unmatched. Now, I, I wish I could tell you, uh, and what I think all of us really would love to know is, okay, well, how tall will I be? What will I weigh? Will I have to wear, uh, you know, glasses? What will my hair look like? Bryce? Right? Paul doesn't give us any of that information. But he says it's going to be better. This last birthday, I was in California. I, was, uh, I got to go to Sequoia National Park. And I went into the ranger station there, and I was learning about the redwood trees. The redwood tree has a seed that is literally the size of an oatmeal flake. And yet when it's planted, it begins to grow rather rapidly... And if you go there today, there's some trees that are thousands of years old that are just 
enormous. I got to stand next to the third largest tree in the world. Now, why do I share that with you? I don't know exactly how it is that God is going to change us. I don't know exactly all the details of what it is that we're going to look like. But I can tell you with great affirmation from God's Word that it is going to be incredible. And I want all of you along for the ride. I want all of us to know what it's like to have a new resurrected body. I want all of us to be there uh, so that when we get together, we can go, whoa, you look really good. But let me tell you, you cannot do that. You cannot do that if you don't know Jesus. And so you have an opportunity today, right now, before you leave the building, to make a decision in regards to your relationship with Jesus, that you want to be changed like that. That you can partner with Him in the resurrection already in your baptism. That you can die with Him and be raised again to live a new life right now in anticipation of this unquenchable hope that we have in Jesus. So if you want that resurrected body like I do, if you want to have all these people in the room go, wow, then join with me in having this relationship with Jesus that we can enjoy a bodily resurrection together. Let's stand and pray. Lord God, I love you. I thank you so much for your word. It just it speaks to the questions that we have about life. And I pray, Father, that we are enriched this morning. That there is a real bodily resurrection that you have in store for us. That you are going to change us in a way. And yet keep us the same all, all together. Lord, I pray that one day as we are planted in the ground, that we can all have a great hope of what comes later, that we get new bodies that are really cool. We love you, Lord. Thank you so much for your goodness. In Jesus' holy and precious name, amen.